everybody, this is Michael Eisner, and this is the AS Natural Health Podcast. Great to be back here with you guys. So I'm really excited about this episode. Um, it's with a guy named Brady from Minnesota. He's an awesome guy. He's got a lot to offer and a lot of insight. Um, what we talk about is unintegrated unintegrated emotion. Um, we go into it in, in depth, and really, I, I think that along with not following our calling or what our heart's desire is, um, and just doing things because we believe that that's what society or our family or friends expect of us. And the um, the stress that that causes. So who would have known that those two things could cause an autoimmune condition and lead to unnecessary surgeries, which Brady went through. Now, uh, so, you know, a fair chunk, I think about five or six years of his life was, you know, absorbed in in uh, discomfort and sort of derailed from his his um, expected path. Um, but really, I mean, I, I, I didn't really ask him this, I don't think, but I mean, what, was it a gift? I think it was because, I mean, what he got out of it was pretty, um, pretty incredible. And so here we are. The topic of unintegrated emotion, an unintegrated emotional condition. So what is that and how do you get over it? Or how do you integrate it? How do you deal with it? And um, I looked up the definition of integration and what I found was two separate parts come together to create a whole. And I thought about this. I'm like, your emotional integration. So let's say we have all this suppressed emotion and it's lingering in our subconscious and uh, causing all kinds of effects to go on in our lives and in our bodies. And by becoming aware of them, feeling them, Allowing them to be there, accepting them, and relaxing into them. They become a part of us when we stop resisting them. So it's the resistance. It's this constant struggle, this resistance to what what is here for us to learn from. It's an opportunity, and when we push it down... And ignore it. Well, it's stressful, and that's um, that's a practice, and that's a way of life of most um, most people, I think, in our culture. You know, I'm not going to say everyone, of course, but um, anyway, I find it really, really fascinating. It was a, an awesome episode. I hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, let me know what you think. Get a hold of me if you like. I started talking to people. Uh, people are reaching out to me uh, via email. I've been chatting with them and doing a little bit of coaching and 
I have to say I really enjoy it and it's another way that I can learn and give back and um, find out more about this this anomaly this this condition that's that's um universal and and certainly out there and um i i just i think it's fascinating and really interesting and i love learning more and more about it and i love sharing and uh i really enjoy helping in whatever way i can so you're welcome to reach out to me via email um you know, we can set up, we can set up some coaching or just just to chat. Um, you know, whatever you like, feel free to contact me. Okay, bye bye, guys. Hey there, Brady. How you doing, man? Good. How are yourself? Good. I'm great. I'm great. So this is the uh, AS Natural Health Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's um, it's my pleasure to to be here again and producing another podcast um so we got bravey uh brady mavitz um that's how i pronounce your name right mavitz yeah Ma- mavitz mavitz, mavitz. Both, we'll throw it out both ways okay. but yeah brady mavitz. <laughs> um we, uh, here with us today um he's 24 years old he grew up in the suburbs of minnesota he had a stable childhood both parents together and supportive he was an only child and he always strived to be the best he could becoming um, highly competitive. He was valedictorian in high school, wasn't sure of a career path, so he went into engineering because he felt it was a respected field. He pushed through even though it wasn't his passion. He convinced himself that it's what people wanted him to do, feeling that he had to do things he didn't enjoy because it was hard work that mattered and gave him value. He holds this very mentality responsible for leading him into disease. Wow, that's pretty insightful, man. I mean, you know, not not finding and living your own your own truth, I think is probably gonna be the theme of this this yeah. podcast. You know, and what a wake up call to be to have that lead into pain. Anyway, it's incredible to have you here. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Michael. I'm excited to be part of the show here. Yeah, man. And and you know what? I figure we should start with a question that we were already talking about before we started, and that was, um, why why are you interested in in spreading this message or or taking the time to be on this podcast and talk to people with this condition? Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, we kind of talked about it before actually starting recording here, but I think part of the Part of the thing from recovering from a quote unquote incurable disease is is when you're in it the the fear that you'll never get better, never be able to get out of the clutches of that reality is something quite scary. And when I was searching for relief, I guess you go through the traditional medical routes, the doctors, then you find forums talking about diets and exercise and all this stuff. And there's there's things you try and then ultimately for me weren't working like I wanted to, and then I came across um, this mind body healing stuff and it almost sounded too good to be true and I know when I when I found it first I relied heavily on a lot of testimonials to kind of convince myself that I could take the leap of faith and kind of commit to to something that sounded almost like it was out of a, a fiction novel you know like it didn't exist how can the mind be responsible for kind of controlling physical pain um, 
And so after going through the journey myself and kind of experiencing the shift in in healing and the shift in physical symptoms, I thought it was kind of something good for me to be able to give back to people who, you know, if only one person or a couple people even hear this and kind of relate to my story and, and connect with it to realize there is a possibility that this thing really exists and that that it is um, a legitimate healing practice that can get you, can totally change your life around in more ways than one. You know, I've had, we'll probably get into it, but in terms of just like relief from pain, but also change in mentality that kind of led me to realize, as you allude to, that some of the things I was doing in life weren't maybe things I had actually wanted to be doing because they were my decision, but almost like I convinced myself I should be doing them because it was what other people wanted to see of me. At least that's what I thought. So so I thought sharing my story would be kind of beneficial, hopefully at least to try to get the kind of the story out there for other people to relate to who are in a position that I was in, you know, five, six, seven months ago you know, yeah. when I first started this journey. Wow. Wow. Even just five or six, seven months ago. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, yeah, we're making this podcast now and might reach, um, who knows how many people in the next couple of years. But the truth is that this podcast could be kicking around the internet for 50, 60 years, you know, and who knows who's going to listen to it. And in that amount of time, like someone's searching and you know, who yeah. knows? So that always gives me kind of like, I don't know, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, good feelings about whatever it is that yeah. we're doing and yeah. purpose and uh, reason to keep going. Anyway, uh, it's it's really, that was a great uh, explanation, a great reason to be here. And and uh, I think it's pretty similar, kind of similar to me. And, um, let's, uh, let's get into your, your past. Let's start sure. right with like um, where you're coming from. What life was for you before you were um, before you experienced any pain? What kind of guy sure. you were? Yeah. No. Um, so, like like you kind of said, I grew up in just outside of the Twin Cities area. Had a stable family. You know, parents married and really supportive, and had you know good good schooling. Not a really nice neighborhood. You know, had good friends growing up, but at at some point in my, like when I was about 14, I developed this really competitive sense to me where I wanted to be kind of the best at everything. I think part of that was driven by as, as much as my parents were supportive, my dad also had a very strong tendency to to push me. And I don't even realize if he, he realizes he knew he did it in a certain way, but he would he would kind of ride me hard in like sports and stuff to to you know, want me to succeed. And I think I took that as a young kid and kind of developed it into a sense of if I fail, it equals my parents not being proud of me, whether that was true or false, you know, it's probably irrelevant because that's, you know, when, when you start to look at that lens, I took that energy and converted it to everything I did. So then it led me to being really high strung, you know, in school, you mentioned I was valedictorian. I kind of did it more so out of a out of a fear of admitting I couldn't do something. So I thought the more A's, you know, I got in class, the better, the the more appreciative people would look at me, the more proud people would be of me. And then if I didn't get that A, then people would look at me and say, well, now he's not the same person anymore. So it's kind of this fear driving everything I did um, that led to a really high perfectionist attitude that kind of strove to, to take on more challenging things. And if I didn't 
succeed, I would almost beat myself up harder than anybody else would and assuming that other people were seeing the same thing. And so I kind of was, was stuck in this cycle where it, it drove me to a lot of success, but it also I didn't realize just where the drive was coming from until years later. What what was some of the sex success? <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't sex for me. Now. <laughs> what what are some of those things? I, I I'm maybe not aware of those things. Like like well, just ac- uh, school wise, academically, yeah. Academically, yeah. Um, you know, I I participated in sports as a kid and I always kind of strove to be practice harder, you know, longer than other people practice. I was. Um, cross-country skiing I raced in in high school so Nordic skiing um and we always had teams in the state that were the top two teams in the state a lot of the times because an event like that is is endurance based and I I would practice to the sense where I didn't even love doing it that much I just didn't want to fail at it so it's something that the harder you worked the better your lungs would get the the better and faster times you could put up on the board so things like that where it was not you know looking back at it not necessarily something I did out of passion and more so did it because I thought, you know, that succeeding would bring me all this happiness and stuff, but it really just created more internal stress. Cause I'm like, well, if I don't race this fast time tomorrow or don't ace, you know, get a hundred percent on this test the next time I, I take it, that means I'm a worse person for it instead of just being happy with the accomplishment. And then you know, moving on to the next thing and trying to the point where I felt comfortable trying and then letting whatever happens happen from there. But I would push myself to try beyond my comfortable level of, of effort almost, if that makes sense. And then I found myself just putting in very late nights, like I said, studying um, or, or practicing the sports or even, you know, when I got to college trying to balance out this like life of hanging out with everybody till, you know, and you get in the dorms and you meet new people and trying to make new friends. And so I'd, I'd sacrifice hanging out with people till 10 PM and then go do homework till 2 AM without drawing any boundaries for myself. Just cause I kind of was in this have it all mentality that I was pushed by, I think that perfectionist nature. I was like, you, you need to, to strive to get these things. And if you're not trying hard, that means you're lazy and, and not good enough kind of mentality. Right. So when, when did you begin to notice, how old were you when you began to notice this, um, uh, pain, pain in your body or. Yeah. Um, I would say the initial stiffnesses started, um, probably around 18, right. When I graduated high school, I would get, kind of stiffnesses in the back like my hamstrings and stuff would be tight but not to the point of um any loss of like activity or anything just just to the level where i would notice it when running or you know i was pretty active like i alluded to like to play sports um basketball in my recreation time running skiing in the winter time and stuff and so it would be like where i'd be sitting down and moving around during the day i just constantly have these aches in the back of my leg um and then that's that developed into the to the further pain when I was about 20, it got to be really bad. So it was kind of two years of, of lead up where I didn't think much of it, but um, then the real pain hit and kind of changed everything around for for better or worse, I guess. But the, the real throes of the disease came in when I was about 20. And, and where did you start feeling it? So that came in hard. It was kind of interesting the way it happened. It was I woke up one morning in the summer. This is back in 2016, so four years ago. But... It, it came, like I said, I always had pain in the back of my leg, 
um, like a tight muscle pain. But when the disease really set in, it was like my lower back on the right side, like a stabbing pain almost right over just above like the glute area, I guess. And then my right hip was really, really sore and it started like clicking and grinding a lot and had like this sharp, almost in the groin where like the inside of the hip socket is like a really sharp um, knifing pain that if I twisted my leg at all or moved it, you know, up or down fast and like a running motion, it would just catch and it wouldn't let me do it. So it really hindered my mobility bad and kind of put me into a place where I wasn't able to be active anymore i had to kind of just sit around and and limp around and be um sedentary minus like a walking pace you know and and i was so stubborn at the time i tried to fight through it and tried to just say yeah i've had pain like when you're in the pain you don't remember what it feels like how bad it was beforehand or how you know stiff you were so knowing i came from having some stiffness in the back of my legs for years i kind of was trying to convince myself that, that pain had always been there and i just move through it and so for a couple months it was almost a denial where I was like no I can still run and and play sports and you know go do intramurals with my other 20 year old friends who are trying to be really active you know and and I fought it for a couple months and eventually it just overwhelmed me to the point where I you know I was kind of not bedridden but you know I'd walk to class and walk you know around for groceries and shopping and stuff but other than that I really wasn't able to do much stuff actively Hmm, right and um did you think it was uh, like what did you think it was? Just like an injury or? Yeah, yeah, I, I really did. I thought you know the internet's so powerful. You can Google a million things and get a million different answers, or one thing and get a million different answers. But I thought um, I tore some tissue or something in my hip. Like I said, that's where a lot of the sharpness really came from. So I thought maybe I um, the labrum is like the soft tissue cupping around your hip ball socket. And so I thought I tore my labrum or had some sort of like muscle tear in my hamstring that was leading to all this like a nerve pain. Really. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. For me too. I thought I was injured somehow in some way for the longest time. Yeah. How, how old were you when you were diagnosed di- or what led you to go see a rheumatologist? Yeah, um, that was kind of a long journey of just almost frustration. But like I said, when when I thought I had an injury, I was going to all kinds of different orthopedic doctors and and um, getting, you know, different kinds of physical therapy, different kinds of diagnosis. You know, one guy would say your back needs surgery. One guy would say your back's fine. Your hip needs surgery. One guy would say your hamstring needs surgery. So I was getting a lot of, you know, dis- discomforting messages from doctors who weren't on the same page at all. So then kind of um, that was like a two-year journey from 20 to 22, maybe even closer to three years where – I was going to all these sports injury doctors, still unaware. I've never, never had heard of rheumatology or the autoimmune disease, ankylosing spondylitis at the time, or knew anything about the symptoms. So it wasn't even on my radar to look into. And finally, I went to one um, doctor who was at the Mayo Clinic. Who I, I don't know if you are wow. familiar with that, but we yeah. Minnesota, lucky enough, has the head of the Mayo Clinic is kind of oh, it was founded here. So wow, that's yeah, a so we have. Yeah. yeah. So for me at the time, I was like, um, I hadn't been there yet, but my parents and I were like, we got to take a visit to this world-renowned medical institute, right? And try to see if they have anything different to offer. So um, after, like I said, two, three years of 
exploring different almost like Dr. Kevorkian kind of people telling you they need to cut up in different parts of your body and right. get, you know you lose confidence when you hear different people say in three different surgical spots finally made our way down to the Mayo Clinic um, just south of the Twin Cities here in Minnesota and one of the doctors there asked me if I ever have been seen by rheumatologists because he said my symptoms and the way the the pain presented where there is no pinpoint like you know when there's an injury they try to put pressure on a certain point or twist a body part and it usually exacerbates the pain and for me it was just a constant high level pain and you know the doctor kind of looked at that and said this seems to be more of a autoimmune type of disease or a inflammatory response um so he referred me to a rheumatologist and that was that was now i want to say the maybe middle of 2019 so about a year and a half ago now or just over a year ago now um and it was about three years into my my pain journey which at the time felt like you know uh, a very long stretch of time to be searching for answers but um kind of compared relative to other people's stories maybe actually quicker than most people get diagnosed with autoimmune disease and then um after visiting the rheumatologist, he pretty quickly diagnosed me with um, spondyloarthritis, which is in the family of ankylosing spondylitis, or kind of the broader umbrella, I guess, of that autoimmune disease. Right. How, is there an HLA B27 uh, component there? Were they searching for that? Was that any problem? Yeah. No, that's a good question. So it was funny enough, there was not an HLA B27 component, so I was negative on that. So what they really went off of for me was the fact that I started getting on my like forearms, like little psoriasis spots that mm. developed like right around the time I went to that rheumatologist. And I also just had taken some MRIs of my back and they noticed swelling in the SI joints, which they said is a... Uh, uh, like a hallmark sign of AS is if you get that inflammation in those SI joints. Yeah. So, so yeah. that was they used they used that to diagnose me and kind of kind of uh, identify it. But even then, at the time for me, I was like, you know, coming from two and a half years of doctor's visits where nobody can seem to give a like a diagnosis with a bullet, like a definitive thing. Then I felt still like this. This seemed to be the most accurate diagnosis, but the fact that there was no HLA B27, I was almost sad I didn't have it. I was like, man, it'd be nice to at least have this genetic marker so I knew definitively this is what I had, and that's how kind of in a weird space I was. I was like, if you're going to tell me I'm diagnosed with something, most people would say, I hope I'm not diagnosed with that. My mind was like, just give me the name of something I have so at least I'm not living in confusion anymore. And then even that diagnosis at the time was like, 95% there but that HLA B27 not being not being positive was something that took me and was like maybe I don't have this but um but the doctor was pretty convincing you know he kind of gave me a lot of reassurance that you know there's there's the more they learn the less correlation they actually have with that HLA B27 it's a pretty solid marker but there's plenty of cases where it's just not there yeah yeah I've interviewed several people that the, that marker was not there and it doesn't it's that, yeah, I think it's just one more piece that could lead someone to that diagnosis. But yeah, yeah, I think that sacroiliac joint being that is pretty, you know, pretty common. Not entirely, yeah. but pretty common AS folks. So, um, what kind of um, medic? Were you on any kind of medication before? Oh, um, I was. I was on. 
Now I'm going to blink on the name of it, but it's basically like a concentrated, whatever the main ingredient is in like a leaf. Oh, okay, uh, right. I'm trying to think. Like naproxen, I think, is what it's called. It's oh, like an okay. anti-inflammatory and, and NSAID or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Right. So when I was when I was going to the other doctors, a lot of them prescribed um, that stuff. So I was on just like the behind-the-counter, whatever they call that, um, uh, high-power like NSAIDs right. for medication. And they really didn't do much for me. And I actually – I kind of glanced over this. I actually ended up getting a hip surgery. At one point, because oh, I was wow. so convinced um, that that's what it was at the time, and that was like the one thing that doctors kept coming back to is like, you know, maybe this hip is going to cause it. So um, that was one of the things I guess my my biggest regret in this whole journey isn't that the event happened, because now that I'm on the other side, I'm very happy and and glad that I know what I know now. But that hip surgery, I think, was something that. At the time, I did it out of just like a Hail Mary attempt to get some pain relief, and it just, it, it I don't know if it helped or hurt, you know, I don't really think about it now anymore, but sure. at the time, it was a big complication for something that ended up not being responsible for the problem. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. What what was the surgery, like what did they, did they call it or whatever? Um, it was like an arthroscopic hip um, labrum... It was, it was for a torn labrum because in the MRI they saw there was some that like I said that soft tissue cupping that cartilage that is in the hip joint was had like a tear in it so they had to go in and reattach it essentially so it was like an arthroscopic hip surgery for yeah. I think there might have been another term in there but they right. essentially took in like and stitched down this labrum inside my hip joint like shaved the bone so it was more um, so it fit more smoothly like a ball and socket joint right mm. and and, um, yeah, I, like I said to now it's not a big deal but at the time it caused a lot of like a year of rehab and stuff that Whoa, just yeah. never really took the pain away either. So you're going through this, you know, 12 months later thinking, you know, I went through a lot of hassle just to be in the same physical condition I was before this surgery. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of trauma to go through for, yeah. for you know, um, yeah, I think that's a really good point, though, to bring that up, that that happened to you and, you know, went down that road. You know, a lot of people yeah. go down that road, and so it's important important to talk about it. Um, what kind of medication did your um, rheumatologist prescribe, or did they? Yeah, they actually got me onto biologics, ultimately. Oh, um, wow. So, you got right on those yeah. guys. Okay. Yeah, they didn't, you know, I was pretty, by, by that point, I was pretty uh, angry at the whole medical profession the way I had been no diagnosis found and stuff so I kind of came in there swinging and was kind of asking right away I didn't done some research and was like I knew the the NSAIDs hadn't been working for me so I wanted something with a little more potency and like I said at the time I'd already committed to surgeries and stuff so my whole radar of like being cautious and taking kind of baby steps was out the window I just wanted relief as soon as I could find it so so I kind of begged him to give me the biologics and so they started me out with um, Humira which is one of the TNF blockers biologic medic medicines used that for three months um, didn't didn't provide you know if I was at like an eight nine out of ten pain it probably got me down to like a seven or six consistently oh. um, and oh, then wow. yeah didn't didn't do a ton and then I switched to Enbril which is another TNF blocker family because the the rheumatologist kind of admitted for whatever reason that some just work better than others. Um, some people find no relief from one and, and 
some relief from another one. And then on Embril, I kind of probably was on that, let's see, if I, probably six months or so, right up to the time I found Ralph and started working with the mind-body stuff. I was kind of riding Embril. And that one helped a little more, but um, I tried to switch again, and he kind of said, well, you don't. He actually warned me if I switched too many times, it could actually cause Crohn's in terms of the type of, of biologic, and I forget what his rationale was there, but the, the Enbrel and the Humera were safer for me because the chemical makeup they had were were preventing TNF, but then there's uh, Cosentix is another one that kind of targeted a different um, white blood cell, like response. And like I said at the time, I was so I thought I was smarter than the doctors. And I'm walking in, and they're like, "You guys don't know what you're doing." I I'm being misdiagnosed left and right. I finally get a diagnosis, and I was like, "Give me Cosentix," and he had to talk me down. Like right. that could cause more damage than right. good. Just you know, take the Embro for for what it's doing. It was helping more than the Humera was right at the time. So I was able to get to to a comfortable level of probably like four or five pain. Not not enough to know I was able to do. The activity stuff I wanted to get back to because that was my ultimate goal was to return to a level of, you know, running, messing around, playing sports, kind of yeah. just just being able to be active on a daily basis. But it got me to a point where I could be comfortable enough to – so I wasn't waking up at night, you know, in, in pain, I guess. Yeah. So it did it did enough for me. Right. But it not, didn't get me to the point that I was satisfied with, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, well, certainly if you were still asking questions and searching. Yeah. And so, what you were on the internet, you were on this, uh, on this biologic, and you were still searching. You were unsatisfied. You thought there was more, or what happened? Yeah, and I think I'll credit that to uh, the perfectionist nature that right. got me into pain is actually what helped me find my way out of it. Because, um, like I said, when when I was on Embril, it was by no means where I wanted to be, but it was an improvement from where I was. You know, I could feel a, a slight decrease in pain decrease in just like the the sharpness in my lower back and my hip and stuff like that but you know i'd be sitting at work and and almost um guiltily just surfing the web kind of ignoring my job at times for hours trying to find any forum any kind of like miracle solution and and came across all those like no starch diets and forums that explain you know you don't want to eat tomatoes but you can eat you know, green beans, and then one guy's like, no, tomatoes are what need to cure you, and so a lot of cross-information <laughs> yeah. there too, right? But yeah. but eventually it led me to to find Ralph, Ralph Fitness, Ralph Ruiz, who had the mind-body coaching program in place, and um, yeah, from there the story kind of writes itself, but right. I don't think I would have found it if I wasn't so determined to get back to what I knew I wanted my life to be, which was pain-free and able to run around and mess around again because at 24 you know i've been doing this since i was 20 so really my entire kind of like college experience or at least more than half of it was consumed in pain and it's it was difficult looking around at people who are young and and still wanted to be active and you know that part of their life and i have to sit on the sidelines and kind of watch and feel pity for myself almost at that point all right 100 percent. that's a hard time to have to take a a back seat and watch people yeah. excel. I mean, so much energy and strength and, and so much fun to be had at that time. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So you met, you found, Oh yeah. I just wanted to clarify. So you didn't go anywhere down the road of, um, diets or anything like that. You, you passed. Um, yeah, I tried, I couldn't do it. Like I, I really tried the no starch diet, but yeah. I, 
it was like I would get four days into it and then I eat a candy bar or something, right? So I could <laughs> yeah. never get myself to like actually commit to it. So, cool. um, yeah, I just it was almost like the resentment in me for having to do a low starch diet. I just couldn't bring myself. I was so angry that I was like, you know, can't can't drink any beer with my friends, can't go out and eat a pizza with my friends if they're going out to do that. So I'd I don't think I gave it the fair crack. I wanted to give it and I kind of regretted that the whole time but yeah I never got more than like I, I did it for months right I tried to do it for months but I never got consecutively more than four or five days of, of good low starch down before I kind of took some sugar in or ate something that probably was not considered low starch yeah yeah that, that makes sense totally that's kind of cool it's kind of cool that you didn't go down that road yeah. you know you bypassed it entirely which is exciting <laughs> yeah. I think like, what was it like to find Ralph? What was it that caught your attention? And, you know, tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, no, so I came across Ralph's website, um, ralphfitness.com, ralphfitnesselite.com might be actually, but um, he he had a website that was pretty unique because, like I said, I had found all these diets and medicines and kind of like holistic healing stuff and I my mom had been buying all these cookbooks of different kinds of autoimmune specialists and it all had to do with kind of putting things into the body or influencing the body through external means and I come across Ralph's website and he's advertising um, the ability to cure oneself using your mind using the mind-body approach how the mind is powerful enough to actually induce pain and regulate pain in the body um and so clearly it was a too good to be true kind of thing i mean nobody has ever even alluded to the fact that that's a possibility but i ralph had a testimonial of his own experience that he had put on his website where it, it almost detailed to me my exact journey that i had been through everything that i had researched and so I knew this guy had some semblance of of knowledge of how all this stuff worked. He just wasn't making it up. It wasn't like a snake oil salesman kind of effect. He really had detailed out his own journey of going into pain, um, working on different – I think he stopped short of biologics but getting diagnosed with a rheumatologist, working with different stretches, having to take a – I think he called it like a pain cocktail every morning of pills just to loosen his body up, his hot showers, his diving into – um, diet and diving into different like bacteria in the gut and stuff like that and so him explaining that in his testimonial and then explaining how the science behind it you know because at the time my mind is kind of working in this like western minded western medicine kind of approach right i want to know the science behind it like the low starch diet refers to being able to kill that bacteria in your gut that causes leaky gut and and confuses the immune system and stuff and so ralph had that testimonial on his page that basically detailed how he had tried all of this stuff and how he understood it all worked, but how the mind is is actually responsible for regulating a lot of this stuff and how a stress response can cause you to feel stiff if you're scared and that stuff and kind of relating it to a more extreme version where it can actually cause permanent pain. And so once I found a site and read that testimonial, um, I trusted him a lot more because it seemed like he actually had a pretty firm foundation of what he was talking about. It wasn't just somebody who was trying to argue information at the internet just out of anger, out of like um, like a selfish lying perspective just to get people to buy in. It seemed like he was actually genuine. And so he offered 
on his on his website to have a free one-time like consultation so i reached out to him and he called me and and it was kind of a just hard to explain but kind of like a gut reaction when i talked to him just i trusted what he was saying he seemed very sincere and very um straightforward and explained it well and almost explained it to the point where he gave me the tools and the the knowledge that day to if i wanted to explore it on my own without even needing him and kind of said if you need more help you know feel free to join the program but i'm not going to force you into it and that alone is kind of you know when you meet a person you don't know a random person across the country and in the age of the internet where there's all these scams that exist and stuff like that when somebody says i don't even want you joining my program but you know feel free to join it if you want right. to that seems to me almost to to go a long way in crediting just the type of person and the type of um thing he's teaching and how it probably maybe is real so um so i walked away from that conversation completely buying into to this method of mind body healing and looked up you know he gave me the name john sarno who kind of pioneered a lot of this stuff in the west um He's since passed away, I think, a couple of years ago. But, you know, he had kind of started the whole – he has a lot of books about healing back pain, I think, was kind of the main symptom he started trying to cure. But I looked into Sarno and then kind of saw a lot of that stuff, and my curiosity started growing, and and the hope inside me started leaning me towards the fact that this might be a possibility. And and from there, I, I decided to join Ralph's program. Right. So did you do the group program? Or... I, I ended up doing the one-on-one, actually. Oh, cool, so I cool. got the videos, that video playlist, so I subscribed to that. And then um, I think, think a week after watching those videos, like, I was so stressed out. I was like, there's no way, you know. Even though I, I bought into it, I was like, you know, you're still in pain or I was still in pain. So I was like, how the hell oh. am I going to figure out? Like, I get how it works. It seems to make sense, but I don't know how to turn it off with my mind. It still doesn't seem like it's working for me, right? And so I, I reached out to him directly for the one-on-one program because I kind of wanted a more direct line. And I was a little too scared to do the group, so I never actually ended up calling in on okay. on his group sessions. Right. So I kind of regret that almost now. I wish I would have talked in some of those. but Right. Still can. Still good. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That is really, really cool. Um, so what are um... – how would you describe your healing journey? Like, how would you, so like what you learned from him, what points really hit home? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I would describe it. I mean, enlightening is, is like the best (laughs) word I can use almost like, (laughs) like discovering, I don't know when he always uses this example but like the matrix you know and neo keanu reeves character takes whatever color the red pillar the whatever pill that leads him to know that the computers are controlling everything and and your whole reality shifts that's almost how i feel is like this whole world exists i never even knew existed beforehand but but the points that really hit home for me were just how stubborn and um and just resistant to being wrong I was and like how how afraid of failing I was and I kind of alluded to it with like my doctors and stuff when I was going to traditional doctors but um I can see now just how how aggressive and like ignorant I was to admitting things that I might not know and with working with Ralph you know I realized that was a big part of what was causing the disease is is this fear of failing this fear of not being smart enough not being good enough created this shell around me where I had to 
try all these hard things and then when failure came instead of my my mind accepting it it would create pain to distract me to be like the only reason we're failing now is because you're in this pain not then what really was happening was the pain was there because i wasn't admitting that i wasn't this like perfect person as i had drawn it up in my head um and one of the biggest things that ralph told me i think this was like two or three weeks in still at the point where i like i understood the videos but couldn't get in couldn't get my own pain to to shift like i wanted it to or hadn't felt like a real big shift and i was getting really scared and he said just pretend like you failed pretend like this doesn't this program's not going to work for you and that um that you'll never get better and whatever emotions that elicits feel that like feel whatever that comes so as soon as he told me that i had had this overwhelming sense of like fear and just disappointment wash over me and i think within four or five days i my pain was down 80 percent of what it was just yeah. from but it kind of like ralph works with a lot of people and has a lot of practice doing it so he knows what buttons to push but that wow. for me that exercise was powerful because it kind of showed me just how tight i was hanging on because even starting the healing journey i was going about it almost in a way that was perpetuating the pain because i was like well now i have a healing journey where i'm gonna heal myself and i'm gonna succeed at it and it's gonna be awesome and as soon as i wasn't succeeding at it the pain kept gripping in and so I, I needed somebody to say hey just fail just just get it wrong do it wrong do you know everything the way you think is incorrect and whatever comes of that and don't be afraid to make excuses like don't don't be afraid to make excuses the wrong way to put it actually but don't make excuses like if you feel disappointed or you feel helpless that's uh, something that needs to come out because that's the thing i've been resisting you know a lot of my life um, and especially in the period of my life where I was in pain, that kind of kind of held me in that position. So, I think a big lesson is for me, anyways, don't don't resist things as they come up. You know, it's just an emotion; it has nothing to do with reality. But even saying that is almost creating an excuse. Like if you feel not good enough on a personal level, then you almost got to let that wash over yourself. Otherwise, there's going to be some sort of conflict mm-hmm. inside. And so would you say you are more able to identify when this is happening and and now like nowadays part of your practice to feel those things and catch catch them while yeah. they're happening yeah 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 and it's it's hard it's definitely a uh learning experience cuz like I said I've I started working with Ralph back in March of this year 2020 so it's been um only what 6 7 months so it's it's something that takes time but I definitely I think is the the main takeaway from that is when I when I'm feeling a certain way I try not to fight it try to understand that it's just uh an emotion and it's not it doesn't take anything away from the fact that it's going to be like that I'm the same person I guess that with with or without that emotion but when I feel something such as failure coming through or like inadequateness coming through and something it, it it's not something i have to avoid it actually is healthy to let it come out and just kind of sit with it and understand and the more the more i do it the, the less powerful those responses become like that anxiety is something that drives a lot of the the pain because you have this resistance to feeling certain ways but um as you get more comfortable kind of expressing those thoughts then they don't even hold as much power over you anymore 
to begin with. Like when they come around, they're kind of almost just in the background now. Yeah. 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 I feel like I've, I've noticed a lot of that myself and, you know, trusting that and, and going with it and knowing that it's uh it's an ongoing process though, yeah. though, I mean, the pain can subside a lot, a lot before that. And that just continuing on being able to recognize and step in and see them, see these things as they're happening and, and not be as scared or threatened by them. It's been yeah. such a, a massive tool for me as well. What else have you, did you learn? You know, I think from, from a personal perspective and um, just in terms of the way I was living my life, I learned how how uh, different life can be than the way I was treating it, essentially. So not only because of the pain, but when you take the miracle that is healing or getting an autoimmune disease to go into remission where the symptoms disappear from a, from a method that seems as miraculous as just using your mind and your thoughts to cure it. It now opens up a whole world where other things seem like they become possible as well in terms of like career or things I want to do. So like I said for, or I guess you kind of intro this, but like for my career, I'd always, I'd always chosen engineering, not because I loved working in that field, but because I thought it was a prestigious thing that other people wanted to see me doing. And, and even though I might not be the happiest doing it, 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 pays a good salary and makes other people see me a certain way but when you go through this mind-body healing experience you kind of learn that that's all perception in your head and even if other people are or aren't thinking that way it's kind of this reality you're creating so it doesn't benefit you to to stay in a world that isn't true to yourself if it's not really um get you know helping you gain anything like i, I recently actually quit my job because i learned um, it just wasn't making me happy and it's something like you got to take risks in life and something I've never done, but, but things tend to work out in a funny way. Like I said, with the mind body healing experience, something you never expect comes along and happens to work out for you. And so I think I'm trying to trust myself more and not, not create a version of myself through the lenses of other people is kind of one of the big lessons I've kind of come across, um, through this healing experience. Yeah. Awesome, man. How how would you this this is something that you you wrote, um, and uh, I want to know more about it because it's the subtlety that really I think is fascinating because it's such a subtle practice this healing. And um, can you tell me a little bit about the difficulties in the simplicity of of healing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, it's. It's so bizarre to feel the energy change, the pain disappear in your body from doing almost essentially nothing but admitting to thoughts and emotion. And so when your when you're mind, the way my mind works is always trying to make things harder and make things more difficult because there's no easy way to, to go about something. That's the way I understood the world. I was constantly overcomplicating and overthinking everything and trying to find out like – the perfect in quotation marks way to to find the emotion that's causing my pain or the perfect way to identify the anxiety I'm feeling that's causing pain and you know Ralph even told me some people have a really easy time just just knowing that 
that they're a type of person who has high perfectionist qualities or high striving mentality and they're kind of able to identify that and let it let it exist in their mind and the pain goes away where I man I struggled trying to trying to say okay if I think this way then the pain's gonna go away like this and then I you know I wouldn't feel relief that I want to and then I'd overthink it more and I was really almost doing the opposite of what it what the healing protocol calls for which is just letting that fear that I didn't know what I was doing be there I mean it's as simple as that but I took that fear and was like no no we don't have to be afraid we'll find out a way and I kept creating more and more complicated methods of like how far do I have to think do I have to remember when I was six years old and this experience happened and sit with that or do I have to remember when I was you know 14 and I didn't make this basketball team and that makes me think a certain way and I was just creating this whole this whole like laundry list of events in my head and and it was it was actually holding on to the pain kind of right when Ralph told me just pretend you failed the the whole thing like pretend the whole damn thing fell apart on you and see what that tells you and it was as simple as that for me but the the person wants like a person wants to believe it's harder because there's no reason to believe it's as easy as it as it is that you simply have emotions that you need your mind to experience and and until you feel the energy move for the first time it's really hard to to commit to that kind of subtlety Tell me about the importance of finding a, a good teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's everything. I've never gone through this without, I guess, using Ralph as my teacher. So it might be possible without it. But I think having somebody to work with who, who works in a way that you understand, in a way that connects with you and kind of helps you through it at your own pace and at your own kind of ability ability to comprehend the information is huge because ultimately you kind of have to get along with that person not be best friends but you have to understand the point they're coming from and kind of agree with their methods um to get the results otherwise because it's a mind practice if your mind isn't at ease isn't isn't comfortable with the person giving you the information then you probably in my opinion will have a harder time getting to where you need to go just because um, you'll be fighting yourself and fighting the information you're given and kind of creating more of that distress that's going to hold on to the symptoms. Yeah, I think that's a really good point in in knowing that you trust the person you're you're working with and that you have um, uh, like a relatability or they speak your language or you know it feels light when you're talking with them and feels yeah. right and not pressured and not manipulative and yeah 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 for sure and I, I think another like one of the things with with going through the healing experience it doesn't necessarily have to be done but sometimes traumatic or or personal things are brought up that kind of are from your background because that's a lot of the times what are you know i guess 100 percent of the time is your background has kind of created some of this pain or some of the mindsets you have so if you have a good teacher who you trust you're able to share those things where if you're kind of cautious about telling a person personal stories then like what what are the things that you would you would tell someone like i came to you i'm like oh man i got as i'm in a lot of pain you know i kind of believe in this um mind body thing what steps would you tell me to take like what are what are the the big things that one should know 
Yeah, this is a tough question because <laughs> I only know from my own healing experience. So I'm almost going to cheat and go through the, the Ralph playbook well, that he it. gave go me. Yeah, that's okay if you do, but, if you're okay with yeah. that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I think if I was a teacher, I'd, I'd make sure if somebody came to me and said they wanted to pursue this route, kind of make sure they understood what it involved, that it wasn't just, you know, meditation or, or being calm, that it kind of might involve going down some path where you're going to have to, to face some uncomfortable thoughts, some uncomfortable ideas. And if they were comfortable with that, then starting out by just giving them like the exercise to, um, as they go through their first couple of days of doing this, see what emotions are strong when, when they go through their everyday life, what things they seem to fight more than other things. You know, like everybody enjoys, um, maybe I shouldn't say everybody, but I think most people enjoy if you succeed at something, the feeling of confidence, of happiness, you know, those are feelings that you you like to receive, but some things that, you know, if somebody yells at you, is that something that you really feel a certain way at, or is that an emotion that really jumps out at you, or is that something that kind of just washes off, and as you go through your day, kind of finding what emotions are going through you and seem to be causing resistance and kind of start from there and let them kind of explore their own mentality and kind of make sure, you know, and then you give them like Ralph gave me the Sarno book. And so you kind of read that, the John Sarno healing which, back pain book, healing back pain, healing back pain. Okay, yep. Yeah, okay. Um, which kind of lays the, the foundation of the mind body healing technique as, as Sarno taught it. Um, so then you're kind of aware of why it, it helps the person be aware of why they're, going through the exercise, right, why they're exploring their emotions and kind of how, what that's accomplishing. Um, and then I think from there, just kind of not to get to the root of them, you know, you don't need to necessarily uncover or understand why a person reacts that way, but, ex you know, explain that the response is okay to feel. Like I said, for me, it was something where during my, my day to day, I'd be so nervous to fail something that, I would I would get tight and just ignore and and try to avoid the idea of failure by trying to be really good at something where once you realize that that's just the idea that you're running from is this failure lack of perfection then you let the let the notion sit with you and let it be let it be present and find little ways to accommodate it without hiding it completely right like if if you can get your little dose of perfection by organizing the soup cans in your cupboard a certain way, right? And then you kind of don't feel it wash over you. But I think it's it's important to start with just the conversation of everybody's going to have a different type of, of um, emotion that they feel or like a different thing that elicits the certain emotion they're hiding from. So I think it's important to explore what things that they resist you know if it's being mean to people if it's like it they get nervous that people don't like them because they're the goodest right is one of the seven types of personalities that that they say is causes chronic pain then you kind of explore why or what part of that emotion that they're running from is it you know the lack of not being liked is it the thought of being mean is it the thought of you know being inadequate something like that and if I, you know, and then the the beauty of Ralph, I think his superpowers, he's studied so much of this stuff. He has such a firm grasp on the psychological and him going through it himself and kind of understanding just where does it come from that he's able to kind of take that and go 
use different avenues to kind of help the person explore it because it's really just as simple as exploring the own uh, your own emotions that you're hiding from and not being afraid to think things or or have thoughts pop in your head because they're just thoughts they have no no weight to them and i think that's an important notion as well you know as as terrible as it sounds if a thought pops in your head that you know you want to go on like a tirade and be very violent and like you suppress it because you know it's wrong ultimately it's just a thought that you need to to feel and have out and there's no acting on it but there's there's if you try to control yourself now you're cutting off this portion of your mind and then creating this stress response kind of um so i think being open to feeling these i think naughty thoughts and feeling these these quote-unquote bad emotions is something that's very essential to do and then being comfortable with them and kind of getting past that point is then the next huge hurdle but um it's kind of just as simple as letting your mind kind of move guilt-free around itself Mm. that's a great way to put it yeah guilt and shame being you know some some very well not to demonize them but can be um when resisting them can be yeah destructive and and hard on us you know and yeah and to uh and by by blocking these feelings and everything and feel, and creating stories behind what they are and oh i should feel that and you know and even going into your story of your life and like repeating it and reliving things and no, and being able to recognize, like, oh, this is just this is a story I've been telling myself, and it's just an idea, it's just a thought, just an emotion, and to feel maybe how that whole psychological process made your body feel, and then all of a sudden I'm aware. I'm like, oh, my body kind of got tense when I was saying about that, and yeah, you know, I feel this sense of fear, and that all came from just thinking about this thinking about that yeah. tangent for the last five minutes or right that's not healthy how is that you know it's not a healthy thing yeah. to do and right that i mean that's how one thing i've i've understood by it and yeah i think you have such a such an incredible understanding of this of this work and i don't know just talking to you it really fucking very very clear understanding it's really great talking with you so Let's talk about post post healing and where you are now. And you already talked a little bit about changes, changes in life directions. Like you quit your job, which is yeah. is incredible yeah. and brave, and um, and a, a step into the unknown. And and probably you're quite curious about how you feel about all that. Yeah. And uh, so tell me a little bit about where you are. Maybe if you want pain wise. Um medication wise yeah yeah no so um i like i said i started working with ralph back in march i was taking embryo still at the time but i had stopped taking any medication after about three weeks working with ralph not to say i was in great pain but i kind of was i i had felt the pain reduce so much in those three weeks that i kind of attributed to what i was working on with him rather than the actual medicine that I had been taking for six, seven months and not having felt that. I don't, I think it was, it was an easy leap of faith to say it was what I was doing with Ralph rather than in the seventh month of medication, something just happened to kick in just right. And so, yeah, I'm currently on no medication, currently 
pain-free relatively there's days where I think I still have some stiffness and a little bit of hitches here and there um and I think it it kind of attributes to just the 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 newness of this whole thing and kind of continuing to explore and not try to black out that because there are days where you go through the healing journey you're like I'm the best fucking thing that's ever happened I'm so you know I'm, I'm the greatest thing of all time and then and then that emotion tends to stick a lot harder and then when you feel bad about something you're like no 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 but remember how good we are because we healed ourselves and so those are those are moments where I have to catch myself and be like yeah you're also kind of an idiot sometimes and not very <laughs> smart and you know kind of keep both sides of the coin going there but um yeah for the most part I'd say you know on on a day-to-day basis I'm anywhere from 100% pay-free pain-free to 90% pain-free um I'm back to doing biking, running, playing basketball, playing pickup football, all that stuff, which is beautiful. Um, really what I, you know, when I was in pain, those were the one thing I'd tell my parents over and over. If I could just run again, I'd be happy. If I could just do this again, I'd be happy. Um, but I think one of the crazier moves since going through this to, to where I am now is those sentences themselves when I realized it wasn't the pain that was making me unhappy. It was that I was part of me was unhappy that was putting me in pain right it was my resistance to being unhappy or my resistance to to certain emotions that was putting me into the pain and so when I got the my body back to the point I wanted physically and was able to run and stuff there was still something missing uh, like an emptiness there and and I kind of found out soon enough that it was it was my career it just wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to be doing with my life, I guess. Like my day to day wasn't fulfilled. I felt like I was, I was ignoring the fact that I just wasn't happy doing what I was doing. So I think it, it, it took a lot for me to realize that it, it was the pain that was almost welcome in the fact that it helped me discover this whole world, this whole healing process. And once I was able to take care of the pain through the mind body connection and be off medication, be back to being physical, the fact that I didn't immediately have the happiness that I wanted to, would, you know, and and it's not like I need to be happy every second because that kind of goes against the healing method, right? But just the general notion that I, I was on the correct path, I kind of looked and realized that I had never truly committed or truly acknowledged my own intentions in terms of what I like to do and what I kind of thought was valuable. And I always kind of chased down this this like American dream idea of like make a lot of money, get a good house, find family, whatever the case may be. And then to do that, I just pursued things I didn't like. And I, I had to take the strength to be like, you know what, it's a risk, but it feels right to me to, to quit my job, to step back and explore opportunities that I find valuable. Cause there's no, there's no value in, in sticking with something and 10 years down the road, regretting that you did it, you know, especially when you, when you realize that trusting yourself sometimes is the best option, especially when trusting yourself and your own emotions gets you out of a situation that was considered incurable. You know, if you take that same mentality and trust yourself and step back from, from a life that you maybe aren't engaged in and kind of find out things you like to do, then that's, it's kind of all part of this healing journey as well, right? Just kind of listening to your, to your mind and, and following along so that's kind of where I'm at now is I'm, I'm enjoying being pain-free I'm enjoying being learning more and more about this mind-body connection and and the thoughts that go around and um 
and also kind of enjoying the idea that I took a risk and kind of made a decision that everybody would consider bad, but just because everybody considers something bad or just like everybody considers autoimmune disease incurable doesn't mean it's necessarily true for you. And so now I'm kind of enjoying exploring that new part of my life where I can kind of look at look at myself and determine what I want to do and, and what I truly enjoy. So that's kind of where, I, where I'm sitting right now. Oh, that's incredible. That's really exciting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think... Uh, I I would agree. Like it's um, that's such a that's such um a good point that you know that this disease or pain or suffering is is just uh, is you know it's a call to what do we what do we want to do like what do we how do we yeah. want to live and you know in your um pre interview forum you talked about um understanding the the preciousness of life and that and that it goes by fast and this these are things that you learn that it's short and to value yeah. your time and what you do yeah I, you know some folks some folks don't come to that realization until much later in life and not that it's a competition or anything no. but, yeah and but, and I think you know everybody has different you know if if your goal is you know I have friends who I know they can work seventy hours a week and they make good money doing it but it doesn't bother them that they um, that they're investing seventy hours of their time at an office just to have the money right but for me I think I learned that I valued my personal time or me doing something almost creating something and, and trying to make that into a career because I don't want to be I'm a, I'm almost the other side of the corner. I have a hard time selling my own time for 50 hours to something I don't truly connect with, just to say I have a paycheck. Right? That doesn't. That's not enough for me. I'd, I'd rather make 40% less, but then have every moment feel like I'm working on something I enjoy. Yeah. Then you're almost getting paid to. You're getting paid in terms of like the feedback you feel by doing something you like, rather than just strictly in, in cash. Right? The paycheck starts to feel empty when it, every day you're kind of doing something you don't don't connect with but it is that selfishness that's kind of the part of the healing journey right because you're like oh i can do things for myself i guess i didn't even realize that you spend so much time worrying about other people and trying to please them and yeah do what's right for them you're like yeah i got to do something that's right for me as well yeah and funny when i I quit my job actually the day i I put in my two-week notice um this was like three weeks ago now so i've been off for a little over a week but i actually felt my legs felt like stronger um, in a weird way. Like it's almost like I gained some some grounding just even by doing that, by by admitting that my emotion was we don't want to be here, right? That's kind of not denying the fact that it wasn't truly me. Because I think part of part of me was still holding on to the idea of like it, it's weakness or it's it's kind of sad if you can't work a job that everybody else can work or if you can't put up with a desk job, it means you're not good enough and then kind of realizing like hey that's just my thought but my true intention is that you know this isn't the right career for me so it's okay to kind of sit with those thoughts if it means committing to your to your true desires right and if what's holding you to the job is the fear of somebody looking at you and thinking you're kind of a weak not disciplined can't work the job kind of person then that's that's just letting the anxiety take back over again so Mm. Kind of that healing journey throws itself in so many ways. It kind of presents itself in different aspects too, just beyond once the pain is gone. 
Yeah, yeah. I guess what I got from listening to you is that that it sounds like you've trained yourself, and you know, I'm going through the same thing, and I'm training myself to to li- to pay attention or believe the thoughts that are lighter or more exciting, or or knowing what is important to me and what thoughts are kind of leading me in the direction or have led me in the direction of heaviness and feeling stuck and not that excited about life and yeah you know and and like taking the faith the leap of faith which you did of quitting or um 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 pursuing uh healing in a mind body fashion and letting go of medication and which me, leads me to one question I wanted to ask you. Uh, have you seen your rheumatologist since? And did you have a chat with them of like, hey, I'm not, I don't need these, the medication anymore? Or... You know, I, I haven't actually. I kind of just cut ties. I sent a message out through the portal, the doctor portal, just saying like, hey, I, I'm feeling better. I'm going to be off the medication. They don't really ask questions. I'm yeah. sure they have quite a lot of patients anyways. But um, yeah, I'd never followed back up and talked to them in person or, or had any meeting of that sort. So I just kind of canceled the the pharmaceutical orders and and just said, hey, I'm you know feeling better, moving on, and never really went into it that much. And, and you know, it was another funny thing Ralph kind of said at the moment. You know, he knew people who he's taught who – they were so excited to, to kind of give the fu to their rheumatologist and say like this is how it really works. This is how it, right. you know, like screw you, buddy. Well, but I never quite had that strong of opinions. But for sure, early on, when you go through the mind body, you're like almost doing it out of spite because you're like, if this works, then you know. And then you realize once you get to the middle of the journey, nearing you know the end of it, you kind of realize like it's it's just the feeling of needing to feel right that's that's causing you to want to argue with them and it's not even really worth it to pick the argument because they're they're trying to do their best as well it's not not like they're trying to do it out of spite or anything it's what they know and were taught and have learned is is that practice of medicine so it doesn't you know and it helps people to take that medication too and so um so going up to them and kind of getting in a shouting match and trying to argue that it's not the right way to do it is is not worth it so so yeah long answer but i I have not been back to talk to my rheumatologist at all yeah yeah cool oh i was just curious i'm i i i um i'm with you on that it's it's totally a, a mute point and it's uh doesn't even doesn't make any difference you know like yeah you know you're moving on and things are great and you know it, it like for me pharmaceuticals were always you know they they definitely didn't affect my body well like i had a lot of illness because of them and sads but uh but at the same time if i took them only when i really needed them they got me out of some really tough um situations yeah you know where like i really didn't know how i was going to get through without them so yeah they're they're a great tool though yeah though you know i think they're just really a great opportunity um to get us out of those tough spots and then what can we do when we're feeling good like what can we do with that time right you know that opportunity um well, man, it's been really incredible chatting with you. 
Uh, yeah. Is there is there anything you wanted to close on? Is there is there a message you wanted to leave anyone with or? You know, I'd say just don't be afraid if you're if you come across this podcast and are considering the validity of the mind body healing and and are questioning it. Um, from personal experience, it definitely is is a legitimate thing, and it definitely it's just a life changing experience to go through. And so, if you're questioning if you're going to commit to it or not, don't be afraid to explore it, um, and just know, just know that sometimes the impossible things can can become possible. It's kind of the one thing I really took away from my whole experience here. Um, when you sit in just the darkness that is a lifelong outlook of pain and disease that you think is incurable based on what everybody says and then seemingly snap of fingers three four months later you you find a solution that gets you out of it that doesn't seem like it could be possible it, it it's important to remember that things aren't always as they seem i guess in life mm-hmm. stay curious yeah um Oh, we have one more thing. Did you are you interested in talking or revealing what some of those things are that you're interested in getting into? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I go into a little bit. I kind of have been looking into the podcasting world. We talked about this a little offline, yeah. but um, I I'm really in the infancy stages of it. But I'm trying to create some sort of some sort of entertainment kind of podcast type of type of channel that I and I don't even know quite what I think the healing stuff is really cool to focus on I might choose to go a lighter direction and kind of focus on I'm really big into sports and kind of here in you know American sports football basketball kind of are my two favorites and just kind of create a light commentary channel on on some of that stuff but um, that's really where my passion's at now I love talking and just joking around about that kind of stuff so um I'm I'm trying to get something like that off the ground, but as of now, I have yet to create what I'm what I'm doing. I'm just kind of throwing ideas out and, and getting myself comfortable with the idea of how it would work. And another reason I thank you for having me on this podcast, kind of getting used to what it feels like talking into a recorded show, right. and kind of the the jitters that that comes with. So yeah. that's where I'm that's where I'm looking for now for my future. But I wish I had a name to give you guys to, right. to yeah. promote it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, maybe maybe you can come on the podcast again in uh, six months or a year, and then, you know, maybe there's more yeah. more there then. And you know, I, I think it's amazing you you're uh, you're moving fast and and in this direction. So, you know, I think it's going to be exciting to see what you get up to for sure. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. And uh, yeah, uh, I'll just probably uh, close it off there unless there was anything else. No, that's all I had. No, Thanks that's, a lot, Michael. Yeah. This has, been, this has been great. It's a real pleasure. And uh, everyone, take care. And uh, Ralph Ruiz's info will be in um, in the show notes, the description. And, um, and uh, yeah, that's it, guys. Have a great day. Take care. There you guys have it. Another episode. Here's some thoughts I have uh, wanted to share with you guys. So Brady essentially integrated that emotion he talks about it um i've been reading michael brown i don't know if anyone's checked michael brown out but uh i'm just blown away by what this guy has to talk about um his understanding of integrating emotion 
and I get this word and expression directly from him, integration of emotion. Um, it's so descriptive and step by step and laid out and it makes so much sense. I mean, a, a huge part of how I began to get really better was by becoming aware of trigger and and triggers in my life and anger and discomfort and strange feelings and becoming okay with them by opening my heart or opening my awareness or letting them in and I'm still doing it <laughs> and you know he says you'll be doing it for the rest of your life well I think it gets probably easier and easier the longer we we do it and as long as we're consistent um more and more awareness happens because of that and I've seen it I mean one example is I used to always really dislike the fall because I loved the summer and when fall would begin to come when when the weather would start weather would start to change and I could feel that cold breeze and and the sun would start to be closer to the horizon and I um I could I could feel like this dread inside me, this deep, uncomfortable feeling. And when I started practicing this, I started, you know, I, I used that. And, you know, I started noticing, I'm like, wow, this I'm uncomfortable with this. Or there's something here that that's emotional and it's got it's got energy to it. And I have been the effect of it I've allowed it to manipulate me let's just say and um, affect my well-being and so I just I let it I let it in and I sat with it and welcomed it and I believe I I integrated it because after years and years of that happening, um, I don't feel it anymore. In fact, I, I love the fall. I love the winter. And it's all, you know, it's all beautiful. It's it's fine. It's great. I mean, bring it on. Um, another example is, is with anger. You know, I, I would... There was this one time I was out at uh, a concert and I was with my... Um, with a, a girl I was I was with at that time, and and uh, I, I could tell that this guy that uh, we were with a group of people, and this guy, um, like I could tell that he had kind of a a thing for my my girlfriend, like a crush, or you know that they maybe I don't know whatever. And so during the show, I think it was during intermission, he came right up to me and he was and he grabbed me. And he picked me up and uh, like like a big bear hug, like my feet were right off the ground. This is a really big dude, and you know I'm I'm five five, so he was probably six five or something. He just picked me right up and and like he was like, oh, I've been dying to do that all night, you know. And um, 
and it was just kind of awkward, you know, it felt really awkward. I had never really talked to him and uh, it put me back down and, you know, I, I was already, you know, I, I just kind of let it go right away. And I, I knew that before that probably would have pissed me off, you know, but I just let it go. And I was, I was doing this, you know, emotional work already and had been training and, you know, I just kind of acknowledged it and, you know, it just kind of um, sort of just let it go. And, and it was fine. And um, and then later that night, I or the next morning, I woke up and I thought about it. And immediately it triggered me. And I started getting angry. And I started thinking more and more about it. You know, thoughts like, who is this guy? He's probably insecure. And you know, trying to make me look bad or small in front of my girlfriend and, you know, who's this guy I think he is and, like, you know, envisioning me, like, you know, kicking him in his balls or, like, breaking, you know, all this stupid crap that we do and, you know, and and just creating all this stress in my body and, and um, you know, in essence, like, kind of meditating on on dark sort of destructive insecure um thoughts and that affected my emotion and affected my body and I didn't feel good for you know probably the rest of the day and or you know half the day or something and so later on in that day I remember like like really catching myself like I was aware that I was doing it and I was like oh this doesn't feel good what am I doing and I remember I just got to a point where I was like you know making lunch or something and still thinking about it or coming back up and I remember going into my bedroom and closing the door and sitting down and relaxing my shoulders and allowing myself to feel to feel exactly what it was that was going on. So that hurt, that embarrassment, that whatever it was. And instead of fighting it or fighting, you know, like um, fighting, I, and Michael Brown talks about this. I recommend you guys look him up. Michael Brown talks about this. He says, you know, when he would experience these things, he said it was like as if you're going back in time because he believes that, you know, these incidences that are uncomfortable, they originally happened when in the first seven years of our lives or maybe even the womb. And like rivulets, they they flow outward in, into our lives and they're there for us to, they just kind of reoccur again in different forms and certainly i mean this is like this was a common theme with me that you know i'd have a girlfriend and some bigger dude would come along and you know i'd get really pissed off and he you know and i would be the you know like he would say something and i'd be like oh this guy's an asshole and you know it was a reoccurring thing and and so what michael brown talks about is how um, it's as if the metaphor would be that as an adult, you travel through time and 
you say, in essence, go back to whenever that was, and who knows what incident it was or whatever happened, but you don't have to remember that. It doesn't matter. But in essence, you're going back to sit with yourself when you were a kid and scared and didn't know any better. And it's as if, as an adult, you can say, you know what, I'm fine. I lived through all that, and I'm okay, and everything's going to be okay. Like, look at me now. I'm an adult. I'm strong, and and um, nothing happened. There's nothing to be afraid of, and it's like putting your arm around that kid, and, and it's you. And it's like just sitting with that kid who never had the chance to simply feel what was going on, and that feeling it was okay, and that it's totally valid to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. Um, and to, and to maybe, and to not make anything more of it than that, and just to be with it, to feel the full effects of it, and, and to be with it for the, the whole thing, and eventually, and I did that, I sat there, and eventually the charge of it, it began to dissipate and go away and uh, I'm not quite there with the 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 presence process the Michael Brown um, book but I mean I'm suspecting that it's a similar similar thing maybe he goes through I mean I'm just about to start the presence process so I have to let you guys know what what I think but um, I can tell you it helped a lot to do that, to just sit there with it and to let go. And when I do this in my life, I notice that it feels better. Now, some things have a stronger charge than others. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, if you, if you want to try this on your own, go for it. Though there, there is a lot of guidance you can get in this department. Michael Brown, um, someone you're coaching with, to to give yourself the opportunity to integrate this emotion, and and this is what Brady did. This is a guy who AS came out of nowhere, bam, hit him. He was in a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort, and was on biologics, went through surgery, and in essence, he learned. He learned to integrate his emotion. He talks about it in the podcast. If you check out the show notes, uh, I think I have um I think I have it noted down. So go back to it and listen to what he's talking about. Um that's it. It's a big part of it. Uh, it's big. Yeah, Michael Brown says it. A lot of it. Tom um, Tom Campbell says it. We're here to grow up. We're here to evolve, and and really, what we're evolving towards is love. So that fear, that fear, that I I have felt and you know has still come up. Fear.
fear's there for us to integrate, for us to look at and to let in. Like, it's like, um, it's like jumping into an ocean in the middle of the night. It's pitch black. You know, it feels like the unknown and there's this big terror, but really, you know, you do it, you do it in, in the light of day. No big deal. So it's a skill and a practice and something that, I, you know, I'm still developing this skill and I'm excited to develop more and more and I'm excited to grow up in that way. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, um, if you're still listening, um, thanks for being here. It's a real pleasure. If you want to get a hold of me, um, feel free. E-I-S-N-E-R-0-0 at gmail.com. And, um, and, uh, we can chat. And if you want to set something up where we're chatting frequently, coaching, we can do that too. So, uh, I wish you all the best. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please feel free to subscribe to the show, or if you'd like, write a review. Let me know what you think, and uh, if there's any topics that you'd like covered, please let me know. Favorite episodes. All right. Bye-bye. The text and audio files contained in this program are for information use only. It is not meant to treat, cure, diagnose any medical health condition you may or may not have. For medical advice and treatment, please speak to a medical health professional.